And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, true crime. It's everywhere. It's one of the most popular genres that you're going to find for podcasts, on television. It's everywhere. So how do you start a startup around it? That's exactly what we're going to talk about today, along with a few other interesting stories and tales that we have to tell about how the world is so, so small. Before we get into that, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. With me today, I've got Anna Eaglin, and Anna is the co-founder and head of product at Uncovered. Go to uncovered.com. There's a link in the show notes. Anna is located in Indianapolis and happened to reach out to me recently after hearing our episode on Indianapolis's top startups. She happens to live in my old home where the million dollar bedroom existed. For those of you that aren't aware, I wrote a book called Million Dollar Bedroom and it all started in an extra bedroom of my home in Indianapolis. And now there is a crime solving startup in it. We're gonna talk about that and everything else. Anna, welcome to Startup Hustle. Awesome, I'm so excited to be here, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited you reached out. You know, we published this episode about Indianapolis top startups. And all of a sudden I look in my LinkedIn inbox, which is normally a treasure trove of garbage, by the way. And I see a message from Anna and it says, you know, I think I've been getting junk mail for you for a long time. And I kind of put two and two together by listening to your podcast and I live in your house. So we talked a little bit and tried to get you triangulated in on the exact location of the million dollar bedroom. But you have got a startup going on there, and I want to hear all about it. So I like to say no one tells the backstory of the startup more than the co-founder themselves. So lay it on us. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I guess uh, the, kind of the backstory of Uncovered, it's, I'll tell you a little bit about me. So, um, you know, I've you know been in the million-dollar million bedroom house, gosh, for almost most of my product career, uh, to be honest. But um, so my background's in um, UX. So I worked as a UX designer for a, a long time and transitioned into product and product strategy. So the reason I was so interested in your uh, indie startups podcast is because I um, worked for a company called Innovate Map, and we are a digital product agency in Indianapolis, and we worked with most of those startups. So I always like to hear kind of the good press they get. Um, so I spent um, most of my career in agency helping startups build product, product strategy, a lot of that kind of stuff. And so just recently, um, I did decide to leave uh, that job and, and come on to Uncovered full time. So my uh, my co-founders and I, we've been working on Uncovered for um, about a year and a half now, uh, really doing it on the side on the nights and weekends, um, you know, in the uh, in the office, uh, office at home, which kind of my office is home now all the time. 
Um, but basically, uh, my co-founder, Jim, and I, um, you know, we got connected with each other. We, we worked together and we got connected. And he's like, I've got this idea um, for a product, you know, kind of in the true crime space and in, in the cold case space. And as soon as he said it to me, um, you know, I could see it. I just I, for me, it was literally it was a stroke of lightning. So I'm a product person. I'm a builder of things. And I just I loved the idea. I absolutely loved it. We had no idea how we were going to do it. We had no idea what it could be, how we would potentially monetize it. Um, but we knew that this was this was something we wanted to do. Um, personally, uh, you know, my cousin went missing in 2004 in Indianapolis, still an unsolved cold case. Um, so it's, a, you know, a space I was familiar with, um, a space I really cared about. Um, I'm also just, I'm a true crime content consumer too. I'm really interested in it. Um, and so for me, I've always felt, you know, a lot of that really tends to lean really heavily into entertainment and a lot less on advocacy. Um, so our goal with Uncovered is really to build um, a cold case database um, to visualize the, the cases of the missing and the murdered, um, but not just the cases, not just case overviews, but really to bring in all the evidence. Who are the people involved? What are the timelines? What are the maps and locations? Kind of how did, how did, how did this crime take place? How did it unfold? Um, and then what are the actual calls to action? Because every cold case has, has needs some kind of help. It could just be social attention. It could be money. Maybe they're trying to raise money to do DNA testing. Maybe they're trying to get a petition signed, get a case reopened. Every case has something um, where, where they need support. So we want people to be able to learn about a case and then come to Uncovered and learn more and understand what steps they can actually take to, to advocate on behalf of the victim of the person. Um, we also are building a community around it as well of people who are interested in doing this work, people who want to be more thoughtful consumers of this type of content to learn from each other, to learn more about what it means to be a, an ethical citizen detective. Um, so that's where we're at right now. Um, we've been, you know, a lot of research, a lot of talking to people, a lot of talking to users, a little bit of building. We're trying not to build too much until we can really get something out there. But um, yeah, so that's basically kind of uh, where Uncover came from. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna dive right in here because yeah, how do you monetize this? How do you how do you turn how do you because because I uh, now look I'm I I watch shows I find all the I'm a documentary buff and sure. I find a lot of this to be really interesting and from my understanding a lot of people that are doing this are hobbyists or of sorts you know they participate in a lot of chat rooms like you said communities. And they seem to be spending their spare time or whatever doing it. But how do you how do you begin to turn this into a business? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that's the question we get the most often, and the thing that the people are most interested in in what we're going to do here. So our goal is to really monetize the community. We think that that's where people are would be willing to um, really put their money to to where the content is good. Number one, we will never monetize access to, to cold case information. So we only deal in publicly available information. It's more about aggregating that and putting it in one place. And we never want to charge access to that. So that will always be free. Um, but where we are looking to monetize is people who want to learn more information about, about, about doing more of this citizen detective type work. So filing, you know, Freedom of Information Act requests, um, you know, learning about forensic genealogy. There are people who are already doing this kind of work and just want to learn how to do more, do better, um, to actually be able to advocate and work on behalf of these cases. So we've already started to put together a lot of training content, educational content, you know, people telling their stories. Um, and that's really what our memberships are going to align around. Um, also, community, I mean, we, we really believe we are building a community-led product right now. And community is, 
I mean, you're on Twitter, it, everywhere, people talking about building community, building community. But this is really a space um, where people want to learn from each other. And we believe that having allowing people to have access to other serious members of this community, again, people who want to move from entertainment to actual advocacy is is a really um, is a thing that people are willing to pay for. Yeah, and that's okay. That makes sense. And you know, the the drawing the line between social crusading and you know, like needing to keep the lights on. I've noticed that, it, and I've watched a lot of these different series. That a lot of the people that get involved with them, get involved with the cold cases or this stuff in general, often get consumed by it. Um, meaning like they be they're they become a little obsessed with it and or and and then the subject matter of it's well it's a little grim sometimes um how are you how are you managing to uh keep things on the level when it comes to that stuff because this isn't yeah. like uh you know if I, I can imagine if it feels amazing to make a breakthrough and and get and find some action but uh, I think a lot of this stuff probably uh, feels very dead end or, or very frustrating. Startups in general are hard enough. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. I think that's why community is such an important part of the piece of what we do, because I think to know that you are actively working and advocating with other people that are either interested in the same case that you're interested in or interested in the same kind of um, space of this. So again, like fr forensic genealogy is something that comes up a lot. It's something that's really, really, you know, popular, um, right now. And people are, are, are learning a lot. What about. is that? Um, so that's where you, uh, you, you, um, it's kind of like how they caught the golden state killer. Um, and, and they're actually, they're closing lots and lots of cases using this technique. It's taking the DNA, um, from, you know, a crime scene and, you know, identifying closely who this person might be and then using, um, like family trees to track this person down. So you, you can get close to a person with family trees. And then from there, you have to start looking at the individual people to say who lived in this place, who might, who might this person have been? Um, so a lot of the cases that have been, they've been closing many cold cases recently using this technique. Um, so that's, you know, that's like the DNA, the, the genealogical side. We're kind of more uh, focusing and helping on the more, the, the, the story side of the cold cases of, um, you know, who are the people, who are the places. Um, but yeah, keeping it light, I mean, I think that's why this, the community around this is so important is because um, I think people, uh, you know, it's 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 people who want to do this research who do this work um i think there's almost like a camaraderie to camaraderie to be to, to say you know i like to dig into this i want to help i want to do more um so i think it's just kind of like you're finding your niche and you're finding the people who are interested in the things that you're interested in, that other people might see as pretty grim but you see as important and valuable and really worth spending your time on was the golden state killer was that the one that ended up being the police officer yeah, he was a former police officer. Uh, yeah, I watched he, the documentary series about yeah. that. Yeah, I watched that I mean, series Michelle, about that. That was yeah. real. I I thought that was really interesting. It was that that was that was that the lady that was married to Patton Oswalt. Um, exactly. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, Michelle. Yeah, Nathan that was Aaron. well. That's that. That's why I was. That's actually what what brought me up. Brought up the you know how do you handle the you know, this uh, running a startup and a new business will put you through the, yeah. the grinder already. And, you know, we just did a uh, couple pieces about mental health on Startup Hustle TV because it's Mental Health Awareness Month, or at least it is while we're recording this. 
And, uh, you know, that's a real, that's a real thing, man. Like, yeah. you know, the, the grind of starting a business, growing a business, handling the ups and downs. Um, someone asked me the other day what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And I said, you better like playing with yo-yos because yeah. it really will, you know, and that's in, in an everyday kind of thing. Okay. So, you know, when I look at your website, it says that there's more than 200,000 unsolved cases that have gone cold since 1980. How do you fig how do you pick one? How do you know like where do you start? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. We we talk about that a lot because, you know, one thing that we are doing is everything that we've built up to this point. We do have a developer who's working with us who's absolutely incredible. Um, but we're doing a lot of low code stuff. So I was listening when I was listening to um, your podcast, the, the Million Dollar Dollar Bedroom podcast, and you and Daryl talking about kind of the infrastructure and the things that you guys built. Um, the low code, the low code world now, I mean, you guys could have spun that up in a day. Um, so, so we're trying to leverage a lot of like, you know, existing frameworks and infrastructures to kind of pull and piece that together, which means a lot of the work that we do is very, very manual. So Airtable is one of our biggest tools that we use. And so we manage a lot of our cases, you know, in these kind of disparate Airtable bases. That's like a whole, a whole other podcast right there. Um, but, um, yeah, going back to your, sorry, I forgot your question for a second. Um, well, where, where do you start? What are the, yeah, what are the, ca what case? Yeah. Yeah. And by the yeah, way, so you're right on the low, you're right on the low code stuff because mm -hmm. you know, you, you talk and the, she's referencing the million dollar bedroom podcast series we did, which was about over 400 episodes ago of this show. So it's been a while and it's, yeah. we've even seen jumps forward, but um, you know, talking about the things we had to build because I'm old and when I started doing a lot of this stuff, there weren't things like Zapier that would do mm -hmm. a lot of connection yeah. and, and just like a ton of stuff. And I, yep. I spend a lot of time talking about that to young entrepreneurs that we're in this golden age of connectivity 100%. and low code, no code, just easy stuff that, you know, we had to build at one point and now it's kind of taken for granted. So, yeah. Oh. So, so you get, yeah. you have, you have 200,000 cases. And we we're talking about like, where do you go with one of them? Because yeah. the, I mean, I, that feels overwhelming. Yeah, that's a, no, that's a really good question. So number one, we like to, we prioritize cases that people submit to us. So on our site, you immediately see that submit a case. What's a case that you're interested in that you want us to visualize? And by visualize, I mean, we go in and we totally break it down. We, we gather all the sources, we build the timelines, we pull in the locations, we're pulling in Google Maps coordinates, who are all the important people, we're pulling photos. I mean, it's a lot of work for us to visualize a case. So we definitely look for case submissions because again, we believe we are building a community-led product. So we want to visualize the cases the community wants to learn more about. Um, but also we prioritize cases that don't get a lot of media coverage that people are not asking for and people have never heard of. Um, because, you know, again, there's, there's this idea, I think, I can't remember what, what, the, what it's called, but if you are kind of like a white woman who disappears, like the media coverage is, it, it'll, it will all, you'll get so much of it. But if you're a person of color, if you're LGBTQ, um, and even if you're a man of color, like you are not going to get the same media coverage as, as, as a white woman who disappears. So we really do try to prioritize cases again, that, um, especially, you know, missing and murdered indigenous women. Um, I think it was, they were saying that being missing and murdered is like the third leading cause of death for indigenous women. So we really do tr prioritize the cases that no one is talking about, that no one is covering to make sure that we are elevating those. But we're also kind of doing the cases as well that we're, that, that people are interested in that they want to learn more about. So, you know, one example of that, that we're hearing right now is Lauren Spear, 
which is a, an Indiana case that I think a lot of people nationally have known we've gotten so many requests for it. So we're, we're working on it now. Uh, but at the same time, we're hoping the people that come and learn about Lauren Spear can also learn about some of the other cases that they've never heard of. So it, it really is a balance for us. You know, that's interesting. You know, that's uh, anytime you look at data and stuff, it starts yeah. to stack up and it gets pretty overwhelming, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, I can only imagine, um, you know, what chasing stuff like this down looks like. Now, what 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 happens when you do find something when you're like, hey, I think this community has discovered something. Now, we were we were talking about yeah. the Golden State Killer and that I can't remember the name of the series that's on HBO but it's a multi-part kind of like docudrama kind of thing. And it talks about the lady that has following the whole thing down and she got the use of a community. I mean, it was, it was crowdsourced all day mm -hmm. and a yeah. lot of people talking it out, a lot of people keeping it alive. And a lot of people, uh, you talked about that for forensic genealogy, you know, and mm -hmm. like looking at stuff that really started to make sense. It was really a community of people online that tracked down a very prolific and violent person. And right. And, and, and still it took 25 years or something crazy. I mean, it took a long time. So what happens when you do find something? Is it hard to get anybody to pay attention? I mean, it just really depends. So we do have some great relationship with some, you know, law enforcement officials who've been working with us. And, you know, there's a lot of, I think it just, a lot of it depends on the police agency that kind of holds the case. Some are very, some are very, very open to, you know, citizen detective work and people doing these kinds of things. And some are not, and rightly so some are not, because there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people who try to butt into things that, that, that maybe they shouldn't. That's why we really try to focus on older cases, cases that are not active. You know, anything that's kind of happened in the last two years is generally something we, we, we're not, we're not really focused on at this time. We want to, we want to make sure there's been some space and that a case is not actively being involved because we don't want to get involved in something and, and mess things up for the for law enforcement. Um, this hasn't happened yet. I'm hoping it really happens soon. Um, but for us, I think we would definitely we would gather this information and we would get it to law enforcement. Or we would get it to the right people and make sure that they have it. So our goal is not to, um, you know, we're not prosecuting the case. We're not, you know, this is not vigilante justice. This is people who are doing like, you know, strong ethical research, pulling information together and making sure the right people have it. Yeah, I find that um, that in my dealings with anything government, I'm sometimes shocked, and I and I haven't ever chased down anything like this. But I once owned a building that was backed up to a lot that uh, was empty, and the the owners of those lots were started like piling up all kinds of crazy crap and like you know like uh, mulch like 50, like five stories tall, like 50 feet oh tall. It was like blowing everywhere, just like gross. And I just remember like how much crap I went through. I turned into the neighborhood uh, Robin Hood in, or whatever you want to call it. And I just remember like, I was just amazed at how little anyone in, in public office cared. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. shit, like, what do you people do? You know? Yeah. And it was very, it was very, very frustrating. Uh, it was very frustrating for me because like in the building next door, there was a daycare and it was like blowing mulch oh, and like nasty stuff. I made a video. Yeah. It's funny. I made a video and my wife was pregnant at the time. And I like, and, and I sent it 
to because uh, I'm I'm that kind of guy. I know how to use the internet, and I looked up. Mm-hmm. Who, it was a big multinational company. It was called Old Castle. I don't mind calling them out. They were assholes, but mm-hmm. I looked up who all of their leadership was, and I yeah. used various resource tools to figure out what all their contact information was. And I, you know, cause you can find anybody's email, like their professional oh, yeah. and their Especially personal email. So I sent them all. So they were get they were getting like, at their like fantasy football emails and stuff. They all got blasted one morning and I got about 10 phone calls and they pretended like they cared and they came over and tried to give me car wash coupons. That was their way of fixing it. But yeah, we fought about that for about a year. And guess what? I was such a pain in the ass. They actually moved everything. Like, 30 miles away. So I won, but they wouldn't admit that I won. So sometimes you just have to make life a real pain in the ass for people and they will change or do something about it. But I, I yeah, I learned that yeah, it could probably frustrating for many people on many, many days. Yeah. We we've definitely seen that, you know, uh, there again, like there are some law enforcement agencies in the country who, who use this model. They use, you know, citizens to come in and just help them dig through casework, help them scan. Sure. Them. Like they're overwhelmed with the, with the cases, with the documentation. Right. I mean, you know, things are things, even today, a lot of things aren't very digital. Um, you know, so it's more of like, we're looking if like, how can we supplement? How can we help, you know, these cases that just, you know, no one has time to go after. No one has time to look at. You see a lot of advocacy work like this, especially in the Doe area where there are the missing and the, the unidentified, especially where, again, we've got information about these people, but, but no one has the time to really do this and, and do this work. And so that's where we really think that we could, could help. So have you attempted to raise money for this yet? That's a really good question. Um, we're actually going to be launching a crowdfund here this summer. Um, and so our goal is to uh, raise money that way. So we're going to be, you know, uh, we, we're going to be giving away a lot of our memberships. So we're hoping we, we have a lot of people who whenever we tell them what we're doing, everybody, number one is like, wait, this doesn't exist. I can't believe this doesn't exist. So that's great. And number two is people are always like, how can I give you money? And we are finally going to have a way uh, for people to give us money. So we're going to be launching our crowdfund uh, very soon uh, this summer. Um, and then after that, we're hoping that we can raise enough from that to get to get enough momentum to potentially do an angel raise um, or a more uh, traditional VC raise potentially later in the year or next year. So that is our goal um, to and, and I think a really important thing, too, is us. It, it's really about kind of. Um, putting our hypothesis into the world and saying, we believe that this is something that people will pay for. We believe that they'll find value in it and they're going to want to be a part of it. Um, and this crowdfund really will be kind of us putting that hypothesis, hypothesis to the test. And so we're, uh, we're really excited about it. Now I know why you were listening to the crowdfunding episode. (laughs) I was, I was like this, I, you know, I, I, I am not a spiritual person, but I, you know, I think, I think that things, you know, I think things manifest for certain reasons. And I think, your indie startup podcast in the last episode I that kind of uh, you released before I, I got to talk to you was crowdfund and I definitely listened through that one. There, there you go. All right. So once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. With me today, I've got Anna Eaglin and Anna is the co-founder and head of product at Uncovered. Go to uncovered.com. There's a link in the show notes. Lend some support because there's a lot of people out there that are trying to do a lot of stuff that they don't get paid for, but they probably should. 
and there's a lot of there's a lot of advocacy stuff out there that is under supported. Um, I think that if you and I say you, meaning the common citizen, got into uh, how many things went unsolved, you'd probably be scared shitless. So try and really support, high. try, I know, I know, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I'm afraid yeah. to even get into that because I mean, it really is like, I'm like, it wow, is. like, it's so you have a better yeah. chance of getting away with murder than not getting away. That's not great. I don't know if I want to publicize that. Do, yeah. I have just done that. Yeah. So now you talk about combining data analytics mm-hmm. and the community. Let, let's talk about that because data's, yeah. data's, you know, apparently such a valuable substance, but I mean, honestly, most people don't know what to do with it. And, uh, uh, and data in itself isn't worth anything unless it can result in some kind of action or outcome. So we talked about forensic genealogy, but you know, overall, like it says right here on the, uh, on the banner of your website, we're combining data analytics and the wisdom of the community. So what, what kinds of data uh, do we begin to look at, at a, in a crime solving startup? Yeah, that's a really good question. So that is our dream. We want to get to that point where we are, are amassing, you know, amassing all the data across these cold cases. And it's not just about because most most data around cold cases is the location of the crime. What like, what happened? You know, was the person murdered? Are they missing? Um, a little bit of information about them, like you know, uh, uh, like ethnicity, gender, you know, height, weight, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so what we're hoping to do is by gathering all this information. So n- again, not just not just like the kind of physical or um, you know background of the person, but kind of where were they at what time, who were they with, what were they doing? Again, uh, we believe it's the the location, um, the people, uh, and then mapping that to time. And when did those things overlap? It, ideally, we'd like to add evidence in there as kind of another object in our system, uh, another kind of data point to put in. Um, but what we're doing right now is kind of we're, we're trying to we're trying to scale our data infrastructure sustainably as we can. So you, you can see the kind of the data we have today. But ideally, uh, we want to move to a more um, a, a, a more uh, complex database and be able to actually put some machine learning on top of that data. Um, but before we do any kind of that work, before we invest that much, we want to first understand kind of the analytical experiences that our users really want to have. So you're 100% right. I mean, in my agency life, I don't know how many dashboards I built and designed in my life. But again, a dashboard is just a dashboard. But what am I supposed to do with this information? How can I act on it? And that is one of the things we are really working on is understanding what people want to do with this data, what law enforcement wants to do with this data, what academics, what content creators want to do with this data. We have lots of different communities we think we can serve with this data, but we want to understand what they want to do first. So then as we increase our revenue as we raise money, then we will start to build and understand what analytical experiences we want to deliver. And then we will hopefully be able to build up to that point. Um, So yes, we definitely have this vision of having this much more robust and complex infrastructure. And then where the crowd would really come in is kind of helping us fill those gaps, correct the information that's wrong, um, and, and kind of, you know, help us kind of track down what we're missing. So, for example, one piece of information we really struggle with right now is just finding people's birthdays. You know, we know it's an important piece of data to understand, you know, how old a person was when something potentially happened to them. But sometimes we just can't find that information. And so having a, a way for us to say, look, we've got all this information. We know everything about this person, where they were, who they were with. But we have no idea how old they are. Like somebody can help us find that information. 
Do you ever have any concern that it turning over the wrong stones uh, leads to weird, creepy shit coming back to you? Like people oh. that don't want certain information being yeah. found out. I mean, for everything from, I mean, what, where's your thought process with that? Yeah. We talk a lot, a lot about that because we, we talk a lot about sh- like, you know, what names do we put on the site? Whose name should be on our site? Um, you know, one thing, one thing we really look to is kind of jur- the, the ethics of investigative journalism is where we really try to draw a lot of our, um, you know, how do we understand the ethics of what we're doing? So number one, we only deal in publicly available information. So if we can find it on a Google search, if it's in an old newspaper article, if it's, you know, if it's been documented somewhere, then we can put it on the site. Even then, sometimes there are some things we decide not to put on the site. Um, but that's kind of something where we're addressing issue by issue. But I would say, um, you know, having advisors from law enforcement and from investigative journalism is really where we are looking um, to kind of model our ethics, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was watching it. Like I said, I do watch a lot of documentaries and series. And there was one about uh, a hotel that's uh, next oh, to Skid yeah. Row. Yeah, and, you know, there was the, the yeah, yeah, the Cecil Hotel. And um, one of the things is, you know, there was a that whole series, it's I believe on Netflix, which is really mm-hmm. interesting. But you know, yeah, and I would, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil it for you people. But they blamed a couple people along the way, that weren't responsible. And that's why I said yeah. that there's a level of, you know, like you can ruin someone's life. And, and, and it's, it, it feels like that's really easy to do these days, you know, and it's, uh, yeah. the, these are, these are stains that are hard to get out. I mean, if, if you go and you start accusing people of murder, um, you probably better make sure that they are a murderer. I would be my guess. Um, That is a very, very strong point. Yeah. A strong point. And another reason why, um, that's another thing we want to avoid by building a very specifically a, a community of people who are really serious about this work and a community that um, you have to kind of take steps to be a part of that stuff that all of that, like the doxing and all of that, you can find that everywhere. Like that's all over social media. I mean, my gosh, um, every time I, I'm not sure if you've uh, heard of the, the case that was in Delphi of the two girls. Um, you know, they recently released a new person of interest in that case. And the side-by-side photos were just up on social media immediately. Like people do that stuff. And we have a code of conduct, we have terms, and, you know, we, we want to be very, very clear about, you know, we're not accusing people. We're not sharing people's information. We're not, we, we don't want any vigilante justice or anything like that. Um, but I think that's why building a community again, of, of people who are very, very serious about this work and understand that it, that, that that's not what it is. It's not about, um, you know, tagging somebody on Facebook you think might be a murderer. That's not the kind of work that we're doing. It's much more serious and it's much more long-term and it's a lot slower than that. Yeah. Now, what about cases that, that have quote been solved, but the wrongfully yeah. convicted, do you, are, are you, do you, do you get into that as well? Cause you know, I think it, as a normal citizen and someone that just kind of, you know, and here's the thing, and I'll be the first to admit it. I kind of live my quiet life in the suburbs. So I, I probably, I live in what feels like a crime-free utopia on some days. So I don't get around this a lot, but, you know, over the last several years, I've really, you know, come to realize and, and 
and see what a problem that is. And you look at, uh, man, what's the movie with Michael B. Jordan? Uh, what's that oh, called? Just Mercy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you, you're talking about, you know, these people that are on death row and they're just, they were just kind of the easy conviction. They were the layup for, and it became pretty clear that a lot of these people haven't committed these crimes. And, you know, like they shared some, uh, they shared some stats in that, that were pretty freaking alarming about, yeah. you know, in, in some of these states, the, the death, I mean, we're killing a lot of people that didn't do it. And yes. Uh, yes, that seems to me like those are, those are, even though those aren't technically cold cases, those, they kind of are. So, yeah. do, you know, do you, are, do you, are you, are you delving into that as well? Yeah, that's a really good question. And that is, that is another, you know, wrongful conviction, <laughs> convictions is a piece we care a lot about. Um, so we, uh, when we filed our papers uh, of incorporation, so we're actually a B Corp, um, B Corp. We're not a, um, uh, another kind of corporation. Um, but one of our goals, you know, as, you know, being a B Corp, we had to share kind of like, what are the goals, uh, you know, of our company? What are the things that we want to be held accountable for? And one of them is to help overturn wrongful convictions. And we believe that, um, you know, th that these things are two sides of the same coin of we, if there's a case um, that that needs more looking into that needs, um, you know, it really, really believe that the, the, the wrong person is sitting in, in prison for this crime. Um, that's definitely something we care about and want to um, continue to contribute again with the same methods that we would for the missing or the murdered. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, that's a, a yeah. completely different subject that's, I mean, just <laughs> yeah. as serious. I mean, that's, I don't know. It's uh, there's too many things to fix in this world. And I'm, I'm glad people many. like you. I'm glad people yeah. like you are are do are working on it because yeah. maybe I'm just a terrible person or something. Because <laughs> I feel like I need to, you know, after this episode, I might need to go. Maybe I'll just uh, I'll make a donation that that will help. There you go. Um, I, I know a crowdfund yeah. um, where. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. So. You know, overall, you know, thanks for joining me and talking so much about this. And thanks for keeping the million dollar bedroom warm. That was really a, a really a, a fun and interesting thing. You made a lot of people here smile as well as people in the Philippines, because so many of, you know, it was there and and that and the house that you purchased that seven years went by before you reached out. But I'm hoping that you you have you get some magic there. But it's it's so funny because. Um, that's where I hired my first employees in the Philippines. It's been three businesses later. Uh, some of those folks actually just retired because it had been over, yeah, over 10 years. We have coming up on our 200th employee in the Philippines. It all started right there in the house that you're in right now. Um, so I feel like it's fair to ask, like, what do, what do you, what do you see for uncovered? What are the biggest problems that you need to solve and how do you plan on solving them? Yeah, that's a really great question. I mean, I think, you know, long term for Uncovered, you know, we have a goal to reduce um, to reduce the uh, the unsolved uh, cases of the missing and murdered. I mean, that is our ultimate like, you know, BHAG out there in the world. Um, I think one of our more near term goals is number one, building our low code infrastructure and kind of how we're like weaving all that together sustainably 
you know, with the resources that we have, I mean, that's what every startup is doing, right? How, how much can we do with the resources that we have? Um, and are we building the right thing? And is this the thing that's going to bring people in the door? I think for me personally, the thing that really sits on my brain a lot is um, understanding kind of our data infrastructure and how we're pulling in all this data and where is it all going to go? And then how can we start applying some of that more, um, that, that more kind of, you know, machine learning, uh, data analytics on top of it. We talk about, we, thought we have some amazing advisors who are um, very strong data science minds and, and they've been helping us a lot with that. But again, you, you just, you don't want to put, you don't, we don't want to do too much before we have really validated and really found our product market fit. Um, and, and, and that's really important to us to make sure that we are, we are building sustainably. We, we want to be profitable, but we want to be sustainable too. I mean, our goal, we're not building a, a billion dollar unicorn here. We want to build something again, that, that is sustainable. That's really important to us. We think that's why no one's been able to do this in this space is because of the lack of funding. So we think we can do it. We think we can do good and think we can do, you know, really important things, um, but also sustain it at the same time. And that's similar to what our, my co-host Lauren Conaway is doing at Innovate Her. And I don't know if you've yeah. run across that, but you know, that's a, um, I, on many days, it's a thankless job. And it's not even thankless. It's the, it draws a lot of criticism and yeah. spend a lot of time talking to Lauren and, and often say, Lauren, you are a better person than I, cause I wouldn't be able to muscle through um, and, and get through a lot of the stuff that, uh, she deals with, cause there are so many things worth doing that someone's got to do. Um, so I yeah. commend you for that. And, you know, for those of you listening, if you are wondering what I'm talking about, Lauren hosts Thursday episodes. If you're a new listener to start a hustle, or if you just found us based on this episode, Check out her episodes that come out every Thursday. She's got over 4,000 women in Innovate Her, and that started two years ago with a Facebook group. So uh, managed to create something. She's still uh, be the first person to tell you that the sustainability piece is always something interesting and challenging. So, all right. So how can, how can those listening begin to support what you're doing or just do something to help you out? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, so number one, I think our crowdfund uh, should hopefully be up and running, uh, you know, when you hear this episode. So definitely check us out there. Um, if, if that's not the way that you want to help, just get involved in what we're doing. Come to the site, take a look at it, submit a case, submit a case, something that keeps you up at night, something you desperately want to know. Um, and then, you know, support us to help create that case. So again, become a member, contribute. Um, you know, we are building this product along with the community. And if you want to be a part of this community, we want to hear from you. Um, I'm a product person. You know, I have a background in, you know, UX and research. I love talking to people. If you're interested in just learning more about that, you can read out, reach out to me, um, reach out to us, contribute, join the community, whatever, whatever you can do. We want to, we want to connect. And there's a link in the show notes. Now, I, uh, if you want to go to Uncover, just go to Uncover.com. It's just like mm -hmm. it sounds. Now, I end my episodes of Startup Hustle. And I say my episodes. I'm not the only host of Startup Hustle. I did just mention Lauren Conaway, the founder of Innovate Her KC, hosts episodes on Thursdays. Make sure you tune in on Tuesdays and join Andrew Morgans to talk all about Amazon and e-commerce. If you haven't had enough Startup Hustle at that point, go over to the YouTube just type in start a puzzle in the search and check out what we have been doing. Don't ever start your own TV show, people. It's a lot of work, but we are figuring it out 
and publishing lots of good info with lots of good people contributing to that. So come by and give us a nod. Now, I end my episodes with what I like to call the Founders Freestyle. And I would like to know, now I say freestyle, but I often tell people what we'll freestyle about. What I'm interested to, to hear about what you've learned as a founder compared to working, you worked with startups before, but now you are yeah. a startup. And so, and then in the true, in the true mantra of the founders freestyle, you got to throw in your best advice for founders. Oh man. I would say don't try to build from scratch something that somebody already has built. I mean, again, not to go back to like the, the low code infrastructure for me has been one of the biggest learnings. Um, especially coming out of uh, the agency world that so people have built so many amazing things and they just throw them up for free on product hunt. I mean, we're using this tool called waitlist.api to run our waitlist where when people, you know, recommend each other, they move up the waitlist five spaces. It's, it's completely in beta and it's totally free. And it took us like 10 minutes to implement. I mean, uh, like your first search should ever be, how should I build this? It should be who's already built this and just will let me use it because it's in beta and I just give them feedback. It's great. Yeah. And there's uh, you know, we're talking about the buy versus build mentality. At one point you kind of yeah. had to build everything. And I'm now, at, now, now trying to find it, it's probably harder to find something that people haven't built. Yeah. Than yeah. to find what, is, uh, I mean, there's, legitimately so many things out there. What, what, what were you about to say? Oh, I was going to say the only problem is you start to drown in subscriptions. That's probably <laughs> our only, our only issue is how many subscriptions we have now. That's a, that's a whole, there's startups that deal with that. We've had a couple of them on the show and you, you look at like, uh, I look at my own business and 200 people and all the, and serve working with 50 different startups. And I'm like, Oh my God, I, I live in subscription hell. Mm -hmm. on many days. And that's actually been something that we've spent quite a bit of time to unwind. Yeah, you know, I think for, for my freestyle, there's a couple things that that stood out here. Um, you know, much like I, I've had a lot, of, you know, spent a lot of time with Lauren Conaway. If you're going to have a startup or a business that involve that doesn't have a clear path to revenue, you you need to be committed to it. You have to be committed to your cause. You have to be committed to the scene, the community. And then you have to understand that building a community takes a lot of work. Uh, certain types of communities will be easier to build based on people's personal interests and sometimes opinions. I think in your case, true crime is something that a lot of people find interesting. So they'll be drawn to it. But if you're thinking about building a community yourself, um, you know, put it around, find things that people are passionate about, because it's a lot easier to get people to be involved, to give money, to show interest, to have support when they're passionate about something. Mm -hmm. um, just overall, I mean, that's one of the things I talked about in Million Dollar Bedroom is that, you know, you can when you find that people are passionate about something, they'll pay a premium for it, they'll show a lot of interest in it. And they will often choose to do that over and above other things that they need to do. But if you're going to build communities similar to Uncovered or like Innovate Her, um, expect that it's going to be a little bit of a labor of love in the beginning. I think Anna will, mm -hmm. will be the first to, to agree with that. And, you know, and if, but, but much like any other startup, uh, a lot of this is this, this game is meant to weed out 
those that aren't passionate. And if you're passionate, other people are going to see it. They're going to feel it. They're going to get excited by it and they'll be moved by it. And if you're not, then the opposite will occur and likely your business will follow suit. Uh, But, uh, you know, I think a lot of that is, is somewhat Darwinistic by design and, you know, that's the way it is. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways. I, I, I really like the fact that I think the the thing from a, just a general startup perspective that really stood out was I'm happy to hear how quickly you realized how much stuff is out there. Just like how much, how many tools and things and so much of it's free, you know, so much of it is free for specific levels. You know, these, these platforms want to get you started. And then on top of that, there's a zillion, a zillion startup resources that you can find. And, you know, like uh, there's, there's organizations that focus specifically on that look to your local government business development uh, economic development scene. And, you know, regardless of where you are, trust me, there's something out there. And then any of the things that you need or want to use, poke around on their website a little bit and don't be afraid to ask because yeah. for things that there there might be an advocate there that likes what you do and it doesn't cost them any more to give you a free subscription or an extended yeah. trial or something else. So, but just don't be afraid to ask. So thank you so much for joining me and thank you so much for taking care of the million dollar bedroom. I have a feeling it's going to, it's going to pass on, uh, it's going to pass on the love and energy that it, it, that I I like to think we either harnessed or started there. So thank you so much for reaching out. No, most definitely. I, um, I was so excited to hear it. And I think, you know, yeah, if we can make this a a two time (laughs) million dollar bedroom, I like, I'll be able to sell this house. No problem. So (laughs) I like that. I like that. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll check out. We're going to check up on you down the road. See you next Please time. Do. Please do. All right. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.